Hey there, if you're listening to this and you support us on Patreon, you can hear it via the Patreon page ad-free. Listening to Sound Opinions, and this week we'll hear from some of our past guests, ranging from Don Richard to Richard Thompson, about songs they can't live without. I'm Greg Cott. And I'm Jim DeRogatis. But first, we'll round up some new music to review from Little Nas X, Casey Musgraves, to Low and Amel and the Sniffers. Call me when you want, call me when you need, call me in the morning. a track called Montero, the title track from the debut album from Lil Nas X. Uh, you probably heard of this guy, 22 years old, Montero Lamar Hill from Georgia. Country rap single Old Town Road just turned the musical world upside down in 2019. Spent 19 weeks atop the U.S. Billboard uh, Hot 100, becoming the longest running number one song since the chart debuted in 1958. That is a pretty amazing accomplishment. Longer than the Beatles, longer than Elvis Presley, longer than Taylor Swift. An incredible run atop the charts for this guy. What a way to debut. I mean, when was the last time you heard a uh, rap song with a banjo on it, or a trap song well, with a banjo on it? this is true, and, <laughs> and the fact you're burying the lead, as we say in the journalism business, Mr. Cott, the fact that in the uh, relatively uh, conservative world of country music, he came out as openly gay. Well, that's, uh, you know, that, that was a big part of this discussion here, is that the little Nas X did come out as gay uh, while Old Town Road was riding the top of the charts. It was a remarkable... Uh, you know, a public statement to, to, to do that, because we're talking about two genres of music, country and hip-hop, yeah, both, that I have guess, not yeah. been exactly uh, nurturing, you know, black gay entertainers <laughs> over the decades. Uh, he is uh, one of the few openly gay black artists in the worlds of rap and country. Now the question arises, okay, it's been two years, He's put out a bunch of irreverent videos. The, uh, there was that picture shoot in the National <laughs> yeah. Magazine where he's shown pregnant, birthing the new album. Yeah. Um, the question remains, is he a novelty? Is he a one-hit wonder? Uh, is he the beneficiary of the ongoing culture war? You know, be it, uh, be a Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ rights, you know, all those kind of issues. Is that helping him along? Or is he a legitimately uh, good great, perhaps, artist who's got a long-term career ahead of him. Montero will uh, give us a few answers. Montero's the debut album. Here is a track from it. It's called Am I Dreaming on Sound Opinions. Every song, every dream filled with hell from beyond As I'm sinking, I relive the story Am I Dreaming by Lil Nas X with uh, a prominent cameo there from 
Miley Cyrus uh, from his new album, Montero. You really set me up there, uh, Greg. Is Lil Nas X a uh, great artist? Um, look, I think he's done some extraordinary things. To go from buying a beat online for 30 bucks to having yeah. that massive worldwide hit and uh, scoring a bunch of Grammys for Old Town Road, uh, that's extraordinary. And now he's like shilling for everyone. There are uh, uh, Taco Bell commercials, Breakfast Burrito, and uh, Uber Eats, a whole bunch of series of those ads. I was like, all right, look. Nas, I'm I'm glad you're making money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish, though, this album, Greg, with the exception of Montero, Call Me By Your Name, which is inspiring in two ways. It's the catchiest song on the album, and also it is, uh, uh, you know, really uh, his outspoken and courageous and funny commentary on his sexuality. I think that's, that's a great song. You know, elsewhere on the record, though, uh, he is overshadowed by Miley Cyrus or Megan the Stallion or Doja Cat, even Elton John, even though all Elton is doing, Sir Elton is playing a little bit of keyboard on uh, one of me. It doesn't have the joy, the humor, um, the the uh, lust for life that Old Town Road had, you know? Mm. Rife in, in popular music history is the brilliant one-hit wonder who had one song that perfectly captured a moment. I guess we could say Nas X has two. Uh, Montero's pretty darn good, but I don't know. You know, I mean, his his vocals uh, and and his rapping and his lyrics are not nearly of the same caliber of his visual and performance art as seen in his many videos. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I was wanting to have fun with this, and I kept not having fun. Well, the question is, he's he's more of a multimedia artist than a uh, a rapper. Let's let's than let's a musician. Face it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as a rapper, he's okay. Uh, as a singer auto-tuned singer Mm. he's okay uh there's nothing particularly distinctive about his vocal approach or his lyrics for that matter although the subject matter is interesting in that you know we we, he is speaking openly about his struggles as a young man especially growing up you know what was it like to be uh black and gay in the south uh at at a time when uh these were taboo subjects he's he's from atlanta yeah yeah so uh you know that that part of it is, is intriguing. At the same time, I think this is by far the best mainstream hip-hop album of the last month, let's say. I'll compare it to the Drake record and the Kanye West record, and I would much rather listen to this record wow, than either one of those I didn't think two. of it in those terms. Yeah, it's better than Drake, but really, better than Drake, what is that saying? Well, again, low bar, but a, <laughs> a, very, a very efficient, very efficient record. I think there's a... One thing this record has is hooks. Understand, I'm just trying to be the daily. Scoop, 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 scoop. One another thing that it has is musical diversity. He's not sitting in one pocket, so I do yeah. give him a lot of credit for the the diversity of the production. He seems to be comfortable with all of it. He clearly likes most of this music and has a familiarity with it and can write some pretty nice hooks around it. Um, Again, you are absolutely right in that you are looking for a little bit more joy, a little bit more of pizzazz, a little bit more of that inventiveness that he shows in his videos or his picture shoots or, you know, whatever it is he's doing that day. 
But as a debut album, it ain't bad. The second half, I learned a few things about what it was like growing up for him. Yeah. You know, that he was suicidal. I wanna run away, I wanna lie, I don't wanna lie. Send me a gun, and I'll see the sun. And he's speaking as a role model. Let's look, look at it this way. He's speaking to an audience that has never seen the likes of a Lil Nas X at the top of the charts. A yeah. black gay yeah, man yeah, yeah. speaking about the struggles that he was going through. There are millions of Americans right now, kids, who are hearing this and saying, I, I finally found a voice. Well, Somebody's speaking for me. Yeah, I'd give him an A plus uh, for his uh, position as uh, in the culture, right? But I'd give him like a B minus or a C. I'm in professor mode. It's mid-semester, uh, you know, for the actual music. And I'm going to show my age, but go back to an album that was more joyful, funnier, and encouraging. Uh, the debut album by RuPaul before they were a TV star. I think that's where Little Nas X is going. He's yeah. going to be a cultural celebrity, and I don't, you know, well, albums are going to be an afterthought. I could see sort of a Snoop Dogg level type of career where he transcends <laughs> exactly. the genre. Like he's just become like he's a brand, you know? Where he hangs he's out with Martha unique. Stewart. Yeah. He's that unique. I uh, love it. 22 years old, too. Let's not forget. That's true. Long career. Ahead. All right. That is a song called Hertz, H-E-R-T-Z, from the new album by Emil and the Sniffers, Comfort to Me. Greg, uh, I first talked about Emil and the Sniffers as, I believe, a buried treasure that I uh, absolutely loved, uh, their first album. This is a band that is based in Melbourne, Australia, led by one Amy Taylor, who describes herself as a little bit classy, a bit of a rat, mm. and that is absolutely true. In a fine punk rock tradition of uh, of of fearsome uh, female uh, front women, uh, whether you're citing uh, Riot Girl or going back to uh, the Plasmatics, Wendy O. Williams, uh, but also with a hefty dose of that kind of. Um, uh, Australian uh, cartoon rock, mm -hmm. like ACDC. Uh, made a splash with their debut album. Uh, now it is time for album number two. What are they giving us? Let us play a track, and we'll come back and discuss the merits or lack thereof. I don't know where you stand. On Comfort to Me, this is Amel and the Sniffers with Guided by Angels. Guided by Angels from Emil and the Sniffers, their second album, Comfort to Me. Uh, yes, Amy Taylor, quite a vocalist. Uh, reminds me a lot of your heroine, Polystyrene of X-Ray Specs. Oh, thank oh, you. Oh, bondage up yours. Yes. Right? I, uh, I'm short, I'm shy, I'm effed up, I'm bloody ugly. <laughs> Exclamation <laughs> point. Freaks to the front, okay? Yeah, I'm yeah, owning yeah. this. You're going to call me ugly? Okay. Maybe I am, but I I'm going to own that. Price to the price to the price to the price to the price. 
Uh, in choices, my choice, my own, my voice, my own, my body, my own. Exclamation points deserved after each one of those declarations. She's not mincing any words here. The first album was, was a lot of fun. I think this album, uh, e- even though it's basically the same length, nine of the 13 songs are under three minutes long. Yeah. It's hard hitting. Uh, she goes a little deeper, I think, in terms of uh, what she's singing about, what she's feeling, what she's going through. Um, you know, that, that song Capital is as politi- way more political than anything on the first album where they talk about uh, some of the issues they're having with the Australian government right now. Uh, a song like Knifey, too, is also yes. one of those songs that surprised me because it's just one punch in the face after another, and then you hit that song where they kind of slow it down, and she's talking about the whole idea of, like, can I even walk home past the park and not have to fear for my life? Out comes the night. Right. Out comes my knifey. This is how I get home nicely. Uh, now, you uh, compare that to Courtney Barnett, who was talking right. about walking down the street with the keys between the knuckles exactly. of her hands. Exactly. I was thinking of that exact she same is, song. She is, you know, uh, Amy Taylor connect- is, is armed. And that connection that you drew uh, with Courtney is that is that Courtney Barnett's uh, collaborator, Dan, Dan Liscombe, is the producer yeah. on this record. Yeah. So, great choice there. And, I, I you know, I, I think I like the first album. I like this one even more. Oh, well, that's good. I thought you were going to say... Hi, uh, Jim. Of course you like this. A punk rock record. You know. It is a punk rock record, it but is it's a ferocious, punk rock but, and she's great. She's it a is, terrific vocalist. It is a punk rock record. It is arguably doing uh, nothing new musically. We have heard this many times. Uh, I, was, I was seriously doing some soul searching. You know, Jim, do you just have uh, a predilection for this sound? And, you know, the first step, Greg, is admitting you have a problem. Maybe <laughs> it was just me. But then the deeper I dove into the lyrics, you know, in some ways, uh, with Riot Girl being so far in the rear view in the early 90s, right? Uh, you know, girls to the front of the crowd, as you said, right? It, it's like, wow, we've been fighting this fight for so long. On the other hand, Harvey Weinstein's having his second federal trial for predatory behavior. I've been covering the mm. R. Kelly trial. You know, it's like the fight is far from one. And to have this burst of uh, feminist anger and, and th- you know, it's time to threaten men. You know, <laughs> if, if you're going to make me feel unsafe on the street, guess what? I've got a knife. And to deliver it with such uh, gusto, and uh, and I'm just a sucker for that sound. I, you know, I love this record. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it, it is a great record. If You know, I don't think you have to be necessarily uh, a dyed-in-the-wool punk rock fan to appreciate what's going on here. This yeah. is... Um, this is a step above your sort of cutout bin uh, punk rock. Uh, so that's what we think of Amel and the Sniffers and Little Nas X. Don't say we're not diverse on this show. Uh, <laughs> we have covered a lot of ground there. But we want to know what you think about those two particular records. Uh, share your opinions via Facebook, Twitter, or by leaving a voice message on our website, soundopinions.org. Up next, we review more new music from Casey Musgraves and Lowe on Sound Opinions. you 
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My co-host is Greg Cott. That is a little bit of the song Justified by Casey Musgraves from her new album, Starcrossed. Um, Greg, Casey has been an inspiring presence on the country music scene, although I hesitate to even say country music because her vision has been so broad in terms of uh, incorporating other sounds and genres. But she started out at the tender young age of eight, picking up a mandolin in the East Texas town of Golden, where she grew up, uh, and beginning to write her own songs uh, that early. Uh, You know, by the time uh, she was out of high school, she had moved to Austin, Texas, that great musical capital and uh, was taking part on uh, other people's demo recordings and working on music of her own. Um, It's been several years uh, building this career. I guess it was same trailer, different park uh, when it debuted at number two on the Billboard Top 200 that really put her on the map. You know, Greg, I was a little distressed when album number three was a Christmas album. Mm -hmm. It's a cliche in music criticism. What do you do when you have nothing to say? You put out a Christmas album. But her last album, Golden Hour, uh, I believe we both were fans of. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we've certainly uh, come to the conclusion that she is an artist to continue watching. A lot of developments in Casey Musgraves' life. Um, You know, she was in love. She was married. And now she is divorced. Uh, Singer-songwriter Rustin Kelly, no longer her husband. Uh, Casey was describing this record uh, as a modern tragedy, not unlike uh, Romeo and Juliet by Shakespeare, but influenced musically by, get this list, Bill Withers, Daft Punk, Chardet, The Eagles, and Weezer. Okay. Wow. (laughs) Now that is some ambition. Let's hear if Casey uh, lived up to that uh, ambitious mix of sounds and how she, uh, how she addressed a, a traumatic event in her life, the end of her marriage. This is a song called Easier Said uh, by Casey Musgraves from Starcrossed. It ain't That is easier said from the new Casey Musgraves record, Star Cross. That's actually one of my favorite songs on that record. Um, you know, those atmospheric keyboards, the uh, dream pop vocals, and then suddenly you've got this banjo in the mix. And like, what are they? <laughs> and it's kind of cool. It's so incongruous, but it's cool. Yeah. And that is the kind of surprise that Casey Musgraves has consistently been giving us in her career most especially with Golden Hour, which I thought was a terrific record. Uh, some psychedelic touches on that record, yeah. kind of dreamy and at the same time hooks, and then there was a little bit of disco in there, like with the, with the grooves. Where's this all coming from? She this is will not, not be constrained. This is not a Nashville, you know, yeah. assembly line artist at all. 
and a well-deserved, I have to say, I don't often say this about albums of the years at the Grammys, but uh, that was a well-deserved Grammy for mm. album of the year. She really kind of owned that year in terms of her ambition and her artistic resolve, and then the commercial success that followed was well-deserved. Um, this record can't help but be compared to it, and it, it, it begs comparison because it's talking about the relationship uh, with musician Rustin Kelly that was at the center of Golden Hour when she was celebrating the love that they had, and at now point, she's yeah. talking about them breaking up in this three-part Romeo and Juliet type of opus that she's writing. Um, it's a letdown for me. I, I just find this record extremely um, unambitious compared to her earlier work. It's a um, it, it, it's it's sort of a wallpaper record for me. There's a yacht rock kind of vibe about it, very kind of breezy, soft pop. Uh, it, it, the, the yacht rock gets interesting on that song, There's a Light, uh, where she starts throwing this flute thing over the top. You know, there's this flute solo and it yeah. gets kind of psychedelic and it's kind of out there. kind of the weirdness that I appreciate. It's not like out there weird, but just kind of a nice, you know, twist on an old uh, formula Mm. that gave her music a distinctiveness that is lacking on this record. I get it. It's a somber record. You're talking about a breakup. It's three parts. At the end, she's starting to see a little bit of a light. But uh, musically, I, I just find this record extremely drab. Yeah, at the end there, you know, she she literally has a song, There Is a Light. Um, I think I liked it musically more than you did. Uh, we're going to review the low record in a minute. Um, you know, the tempos are sort of in the low territory, slow core. Yeah. You know, um, uh, there are those musical touches still. But, Craig, okay, in the realm of classic uh, pop music divorce albums, if you will, Marvin Gaye's Hear My Dear Dylan's blood on the tracks, uh, and, and I'm putting Casey Musgraves as an artist in that level of ambition, mm-hmm. right? I am disappointed that she didn't uh, dig deeper into uh, both self-reflection and, you know, where her ex-husband failed her. You know, we get, uh, he wants you to shimmer, make him feel bigger until he starts feeling insecure. You know, okay. Okay, uh, you said Easier Said is uh, one of your favorite tracks on the album. It is a great hook musically, but wow. You know, being in a relationship, in any love relationship, is work. It's easier said than done. You know, Casey, yeah, I know. that's as, I that's know. as deep as you I, can I, dig. I, I hear you. you know, she remarks upon the hookup scene, you know, sounding very much like, uh, you know, the 55-year-old woman who's been dumped by her uh, wealthy husband for a younger woman and, like, is looking at, you know, what 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 is this, you know, internet stuff of how do I start dating? You know, mm, it's yeah. like, wow. This hookup scene ain't all that it's made out to be. Get your fill and leave empty More lonely than before And you lay beside Somebody you know isn't right I know that this is an artist of much more substance than we're getting here. Maybe it was 
too soon, you know, for mm-hmm. her to really say anything very deep. Um, I'm not giving up on Casey Musgraves. I'm going to put this in the same category as the Christmas album. Not my favorite Casey Musgraves, but I, you know, uh, I was expecting more from Starcrossed. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want it so desperately. You know you're never going to feel No, you're never gonna be Maybe never even see That's why we're living in days like these again. Days Like These, that is a new track from the low album Hey What, the 13th full-length album from this Minnesota group. Now a duo. Uh, down to the founding members, uh, Mimi Parker and Alan Sparhawk, uh, this are credited as the sole uh, musicians on this record, along with producer B.J. Burton. Um, they had been working with a rotation of uh, bassists over the years. I think there have been four. At I least. might be missing some. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't have, apparently they didn't have the bassist on this record. But it's basically Sparhawk and Parker have been low uh, since the beginning. Uh, they, they started out with a very distinctive sound. In the mid, in the, at the height of the grunge era, they came out uh, essentially being a, a bass, drums, guitar trio, as minimalist as you could possibly be, playing as softly and as quietly and as slowly as you possibly could at a time when all of the exact opposite traits were being celebrated in the mainstream uh, and even in the alternative underground. Um, but since then, they've evolved. They, their, their records have consistently been, um, shall we say, uh, challenging in, on a number of different <laughs> levels. It's, yeah. They're not just doing one thing. They've sort of expanded beyond that. And along the way, they've become uh, a highly valued uh, band. Uh, their Christmas EP in 99, I don't mm. think there's been a better Christmas album released in the last uh, 20, 30 years than that one. Uh, they've had a couple of their songs covered by Robert Plant. They've attracted a who's who of, of producers. You can't underestimate a band that uh, has people like Kramer wanting to work with them. Steve Albini, yep. Dave Fridman of, of Flaming Lips and Mercury Rev fame. Jeff Tweedy of Wilco worked with them. Um, now they've been working with B.J. Burton, uh, a guy who's got quite a long list of credits to his, uh, uh, to his name. Bon Iver, Taylor Swift, Lizzo. He's done a lot of work in, in, in big mainstream levels, but here he is working with Lowe for the third straight album together. Let's hear what they're delivering on this record. This is their 13th, as I said, since 1993. The name of the record is Hey What? Here's a track called More on Sound of Things. That was more by Lowe from the new album, Hey What. 
Um, you know, Greg, you are a low super fan. I have always been a big admirer too, but but super fan. You're you're hardcore. Um, you know, I think uh, that with their last album, 2018, Double Negative, they did make uh, a really pretty uh, uh, impressive leap forward sonically in different ways, uh, incorporating more electronics and uh, just moods I hadn't heard from Low before. Mm-hmm. They are indeed brilliantly. Uh, uh, innovative, consistently minimalists from mm-hmm. the simplest of ingredients to continue to make such fascinating sounds. They're always uh, great lyrically, uh, the way spirituality plays into the moment for uh, for both of them. And the way uh, Alan and Mimi uh, harmonize is just, uh, it's just gorgeous, especially as the musical backings have gotten noisier mm. to hear the vocals be so, uh, so beautiful and entrancing um you know i I don't hear a huge leap forward on on hey what uh but it is a great album um you know when you got here just a couple of minutes ago to sound opinion central i still had it playing Mm -hmm. uh alex and andrew had just arrived and and i kept thinking the doorbell uh was part of the low track (laughs) (laughs) my doorbell has kind of a sickly sound i probably need a new one uh but that is it was was slow open of the door uh which is cool right there are are sounds here that are different where does this uh, you know if you twisted my arm and said, okay, 13 albums, Jim, you're asking me, I've never heard low, but I know Cot loves them so much. Uh, where do I start? I don't know. I mean, really, this is one of the only times I could maybe recommend uh, Auto Shuffle on a mm. streaming service, you know, because they, they all have their merits. Some are, you know, like A-plus records, and some are merely A. But what's the difference, you know? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to hear where you think this fits on the spectrum, because I like this record very much, but I don't know if I can encapsulate. If I don't know if I'd send anybody to this album to hear low for the first time. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but I also think that Low has made many different kinds of records. I think people tend, you know, hey, there's slowcore. I even saw like a slowcore playlist, and there's like 17 Low songs on there. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm going, right. that is a disservice to this band because they were slowcore maybe for the first couple three records. But if you listen to a record like The Great Destroyer, yeah, you know, from 2005, or something like uh, Things We Lost in the Fire, 2001, or as you mentioned, uh, Double Negative yeah, uh, from the 2018. Last Those are very different sounding records. Yeah, but the and tempos they, are they all the don't same. Sound, well, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they've never played particularly fast, but they have played loud. They have played they have distortion. Played yeah. They played, and, 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 and above all, they, they've worked with, uh, they, they're great songwriters. Yeah. Um, double Negative really focused on the noise part of it they really wanted to bring that element because you know they were living they talked about that as their trump era record it was their response to what was going on in the world whereas hey what is clearly the pandemic record right and you know double negative was was a disturbed and disturbing record intentionally this record retains some of those noise elements. They're still working with B.J. Burton. It's still like, what is making that noise? You yeah. can't tell. What is it a guitar? Is it a keyboard? Is it somebody banging on a, you know... Is it my uh, doorbell? Amplifier, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I love that, that distortion. But at the same time, they're flo- what's different about this record is they're floating those trademark beautiful vocals that you mentioned mm-hmm. over the top. So you've got these melodies that are fighting to be heard over the static... And there's a beautiful moment at the re- end of the record that I just play over and over again. It's a long track, 
The last track of the record is called The Price You Pay It mm. Must Be Wearing Off. And if you listen to the last few minutes of that song, I just think it's hypnotically beautiful and at the same time disturbing. It, 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 it's, I'm thinking of like Sun O or some, some band like that mm. where you're just so buried in this noise and then there's sort of this beauty trying to fight through. It's Mimi's voice coming through the static. They're doing some amazing stuff. This band continues to challenge itself. It never makes the same record twice. Some people would argue otherwise. I would say each of their records has a distinctive sound, look, approach. Well, I, I uh, and I, this this being an, another one yeah. in that. So to answer your question, there is no one representative <laughs> low record. You need them all. <laughs> I told you, listeners, that he was a super fan. I don't know how much time we have left, but you and I have not had a genuine wrestling match in a while. And I'm going to throw one at you. Uh, I love low. I think they're great. Uh, put them on shuffle. Enjoy them. Uh, but I think Galaxy 500 accomplished more in three albums uh, than Lowe has in 13. There was a one-trick pony compared to this band. Oh! I mean, and they were a great no, one-trick. No, 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 it was no. great one-trick, but there's a reason they broke up after three albums. They kind of did it. They kind of said what they needed to say with that sound, yeah. and they did it beautifully. I, I'm a huge Galaxy 500 fan, yeah. but I would say that Lowe started out in that place, and they're a very different, more diverse band than Galaxy 500 was because, well, they've got 13 albums, but none of them really sound alike. To yeah, my I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't think I don't think Lowe uh, over thirteen albums has uh, written as many truly unforgettable songs as Galaxy Five Hundred did over three. But that's me. I would disagree with that. I know you would. I, I, I could I could give you thirty great Lowe. Why songs. don't we go on Patreon and do a uh, mud wrestling match? <laughs> okay, that sounds good to me. Well, that's what we think of Low. Uh, of course, we always want to hear from you. Leave us a message on our website, soundopinions.org, with your thoughts. Come on, people. We love airing your messages. Weigh in on Casey Musgraves, Low, or anything we ever talk about. Coming up, we hear from some of our past guests about songs they can't live without as they add them to the Desert Island jukebox. That's next on Sound Opinions. Tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Just to cast away, island lost at sea. Now I'm stranded on my own. Stranded far from home. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. He's Greg Cott. Over the years, Greg and I have taken countless trips to the desert island, popped a quarter in the jukebox, and played you songs we can't live without. This week, it's the turn for some of our guests. First up is Steve Cropper. Let's see what he has to add to our jukebox today. There's a song that I really like what I played on for some reason. And I, every now and then I pull it out and listen to it again to make sure it's called Nobody's Fault But Mine by Otis Redding. I couldn't love you your way Yet and still you came to see me day by day But now I miss you 
love that arrangement. Did you love it from the first time you heard it, or how did how did you hear it first? I don't know how we came up that day with what we did, but we just complicated everything. It's it's a pretty intricate song. It's pretty complicated. Vocal isn't. You know what Otis is doing is Otis, but what Al's playing and I'm playing and the horns are playing. It's pretty intricate, I would think. And it just came together from everybody being together in the studio. Oh, yeah. So, you know, most of the songs were written, and when we redid them, a lot of those ideas came in the studio. And so everybody would contribute different things at different times. I have said this in the past, and maybe this pandemic is going to change things. We need a little more laughing, but now people are starting to laugh again. You know what? They're ready for music. They're ready to dance again. That's what I'm digging. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully people are going to be dancing soon whatever, to Bush If they learned, they're ready to show it again. That was the great guitarist Steve Cropper picking Nobody's Fault But Mine by Otis Redding, a song immodestly that he played on. But, you know, if you play on a song that great, you're, you're allowed to take, <laughs> you're it to okay, the, yeah. take it to the desert island, man. I mean, that's one of the greatest songs of all time, right? Absolutely. Up next, we have got Damon Locks of Black Monument Ensemble with his addition to the Desert Island Jukebox. You know what? I will pick Afro Eurasian Eclipse by Duke Ellington. Um, that that record has stayed with me for the last few decades and always sounds fresh and always sounds new. So if I had to go to a desert island, I'd like to have a record that sounds new every time I listen to it. Great. Um, what era of Ellington is that? I think that's um, early seventies. It's um, oh, yeah. Okay. He he. You know, he has just as an aside, he has switch up of his drummer um, in the late sixties, and that drummer just really this the young the new young drummer really brings it and like kind of kicks mm. it up a notch. Um, and I can hear Duke Ellington in the in like in a contemporary moment that I couldn't in the earlier 60s work. I mean, you know, you always have to add your imagination to it and then you can enter the enter the music, you know? Um, but the way that Rufus Jones played as of 1968 forward, I was like, whoa, Duke Ellington is, is bringing it. <laughs> so yeah. if you haven't heard Afro-Eurasian Eclipse, please. Um, uh, Afrique is phenomenal and I think Tang, also absolutely stunning. Those are great recommendations. We that had, is a cool pick. Cool pick. That was Afrique by Duke Ellington. Damon Locks picking a classic jazz track by uh, not only one of the greatest jazz men in history, but uh, I would say the guy with the coolest mustache ever. Duke Ellington, huh? Yeah. Well, uh, Duke's, Duke's mustache is pretty cool. And what I love about this track, this was late life Duke, um, and he was still creating this kind of 
in an avant-garde vein. Everybody loved his melodies, but here he's writing this kind of tone poem. Yeah. Uh, an incredible yeah. piece of music. And I think he, he created it in the last couple of years of his life. So the guy was still on his game. I don't game think he gets the credit right he the deserves end. for innovation. Uh, you know, uh, exactly. But uh, what do we have up next? Next up, Richard Thompson uh, going deep, a new addition to the island. I took a job in the steaming down on Cardrum Street And I fell in love with a laundry girl who was working next to me Well, she was a rare thing, fine as a bee's wing So fine a breath of wind might blow her away well, uh, you know, it, it, it'd probably be Gustav Mahler, actually. Uh, is that on your jukebox, or is that too... Uh, no, no, nobody's no, picked up fine. Mahler yet. Is that too classic? Okay. Uh, ich bin yep. die Welt abhanden gekommen. I, I am lost to the world. Sung by Janet Baker, where uh, time stands still during her performance of this song. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful song uh, from a poem. I forget who wrote the poem. You know, if I need some solace from the world, uh, this is uh, where I like to go. Ich bin die Welt abhanden gekommen. How old were you when you discovered it? Quite recently, actually. I did just the last couple of years. Yeah, I've been a big Janet Baker fan uh, forever, um, but but I, I wasn't really aware of her Mahler stuff. It's good stuff. You know, it's good stuff. It's a, <laughs> it's as good as the Dave, Dave Clark Five, you know. Well, that's the beauty of it is the, yeah. <laughs> that's the beauty. Like, you you know, there's so much music out there that, like, as, as Fairport found so much in the past that is undiscovered or neglected, that it's it's endless. It's it, it's infinite. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's the beauty. And if you maintain that throughout your whole life, it's amazing what you can well, it's, up, it's right? true. I, and, and I love to think uh, you know, music is kind of equal, you know, the, the, the equal to that is, uh, you know, Susie Q by Dale Hawkins. I mean, it's just like as good, you know, in a different way. Yeah. You know, yeah, Big Spiderbeck, sure. as good. You know, it just, uh, it, it's, all, it's all swings and roundabouts. Well, we talk about, uh, as being critics, Richard, one of the things that distresses us, you know, we've had colleagues at the newspapers and magazines who've been the food critic, or, or I worked with Roger Ebert, the great film critic. Mm. You know, they don't say, I've seen The Godfather, I never have to see another movie. But there's something unique about music where, where those things that are imprinted upon you in those, in those impressionable years, 11 to, let's say, 17, right? Mm-hmm. That's the best thing ever. Nothing's ever going to be as good. And so many people just stop listening but to hear you say you only uh uncovered those Mahler songs recently that's so encouraging yeah uh as you say there's a lot of music out there and uh a lot of it's absolute but some of it's really good (laughs) that was Richard Thompson's pick of a Mahler song by Janet Baker uh Janet Baker a famous British opera singer and Mahler of course the great composer uh who wrote these very uh introspective beautiful compositions about what it meant to be an artist he was you know he's writing songs about uh you know uh children children's death things like these these subjects drew janet baker to to mahler and her voice just you know embodies the 
I think the complexity of those tracks and also the poignance of them yeah. in a way that is really moving. And I can see where Thompson, you know, Rich, there's a reason Richard Thompson's one of the greatest guitar players in the world. Because he's you know. listening to this as well as right, you know, right. Well, you, folk you, you, music. You, you yeah. would not have expected Richard Thompson to say, I like Louie Louie. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Oh, man. Uh, next up, we have none other than the incredible Dawn Richard uh, telling us what album she'd take to the desert island. Well, then I would have to pick Von Acura Bjork. Ah, okay. What what spoke to you about this weird art rock person from Reykjavik, of <laughs> from a world away? Her use of woodwind, her use of or orchestra within that space, her use of spatial moments where she doesn't even need her voice, and then the wailing um, that she uses, her, her talking about her divorce and the solitary that she feels in that space is so next level to me. Um, and for someone who has been in the industry that long to still be able to make that kind of, uh, music and be that, uh, relatable at that time in your life when you've been 10, you know, 50, 20 years in the game. At last. Unbelievable. It's true. She was she was being told what to do with Sugar Cube, uh, you know, and then had to go do her own thing. I want to see you produce her. What would I that would sound die like? A thousand deaths. <laughs> number one, I love her. She is my all time favorite. Beyond as a producer, just way she coordinates her entire brand has been such a beautiful journey to watch. I would die. I would die. Like I would be like, thanks everyone. I'm done with music. Yeah. I appreciate y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and then walk away happy because I think that uh, that's my soul sister. That was Stone Milker by Bjork. Dawn Richard uh, loves the Vonacura album. Uh, that one that one surprised me, Greg. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I always go to Post as my go-to Desert Island Bjork disc. Uh, Vonacura uh, didn't didn't uh, sink in for me as much as other Bjork records did, but uh, Dawn Richard makes the case. She does indeed. I think we've got one more for the Desert Island, Greg. What yes, is it? Yes, we do, Jim. Uh, last but certainly not least, we have Art Deco. Let's hear what he wants to take to the Desert Island with him. It's like he read up about you before he did this interview so he could play to all your weak spots, right? I, I need a, a <laughs> yeah. co-host with uh, as good taste as mine, is what you're saying. Now that's a, that's an odd pick, right? That's album number two, taking Tiger Mountain by Strategy. 
Uh, no, well, it's, no, it's off of. Uh, or is it? No, no, no. It's on the first. Okay. Yeah, uh, okay. it's on. Um, yeah, the here come the worm jets. I. Uh, oh, I'm blowing my Eno cred. You know what? Your Eno cred just took a took a little hit there. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the um, the interesting thing about that song is, uh, and this is again credit to engineer slash co producer Colin Stewart. He heard desires as you know that's your that's your opening opening those drums need to be tribal and they weren't sounding tribal and and we would a b it to needle in the camel's eye and we're listening to desires and then you hit a button and the speaker switches you know and i'm like geez it what this must have two drummers on it and sure enough we you know i don't know if it's true or not it has two drummers so we brought in another drummer to drum so if you listen to desires (laughs) it's one drummer pan really hard left and one pan really hard right and uh, you know, just going at it like just like a couple of uh, crazy monkeys. Yeah, you know, there there are very few times when uh, you need more than one drummer, and I would exclude you know the Grateful Dead and every every jam band of that ilk. Right, one drummer would be better than the two. But there's something about that you know pounding. You know, he does it again on King's Lead Hat. You know, oh, that pounding it. rhythm. You got two great drummers, and in Eno's case, he would be really perverse about it. He'd put a Phil Collins together with a funk drummer right you know and they're both great musicians but they're a little off and it's that offness that makes it great yeah it's like flamming and flanging and i think he also had the guy from can play on um before and after science too like it's just it's just crazy you know you listen to before and after science and here come the warm jets and and it's like it's just so interesting to hear a true artist interpret popular rock and roll like you know am gold radio rock and roll and put it through his like you know sensibilities and you know i just i studied those albums i'm just blown away i am chagrined mr cott that i put needles in the camel's eye on the wrong brian eno album but it just underscores you know that uh, multitudinous are my obsessions i could also talk about wire and lester bangs okay did you uh, pay him off to, to, to make that selection? I'm uh, just wondering. I gave him 20 bucks to choose Wire, uh, but then he went, <laughs> he went, he went with Eno. Okay, well, that's but look, all right. you can't, Needles in the Camel's Eye is one of the greatest opening riffs ever. Yeah, you know, the times sure. that it's been used on uh, movie soundtracks and just anytime I put it on, I find myself pogoing around the, the room, but that's me. So that wraps up our guests' Desert Island Jukebox picks, uh, and it's time to get back to the mainland. Mr. Cott, what do we have on this show next week? Next week, we have a biographer of a great book on Jason Molina, late of Magnolia Electric Company in Songs, Ohio, uh, talking about this very underrated uh, songwriter and singer about his brief but uh, incandescent life. And this week on our bonus podcast, you're going to take us back out to sea for a Desert Island Jukebox pick out in the Mediterranean. Ah, yes. Wish we were there now. For more sound opinions, listen to our podcast wherever you find such things. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this program belong solely to sound opinions and not necessarily to Columbia College Chicago or our sponsors. Sound Opinions is produced by Andrew Gill, Alex Claiborne, our associate producer Sol Delgadillo, and our social media consultant Katie Cott.